Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, a lot has happened in the last week. In fact, in the last day. Uh, trades, uh, signings, games, wins, losses, shootouts, overtimes, first goals of the season, you name it. Uh, we have a lot to get to today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably been like the, the most frantic um, part, I guess, of, of the season, which I guess is usually the case around the, the deadline. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been, especially in the Islanders kind of universe, obviously, like a lot has changed. Uh, the team's makeup has completely changed since we last spoke. And uh, it's it's been both encouraging and, and like a little worrisome. Not, not I'm not worried about like the Islanders in general, but just like, you know, you watched, watch a couple of rival teams get better and, and you, you start to get a little um you know some shivers about them uh but that's that's what happens when you're in a race right it's people always talk about the deadline being an arms race and uh a couple of teams the islanders included and and the division got better uh and like if you think about where we were a week ago um when we last spoke the Islanders didn't have Kyle Palmieri. Obviously, they didn't have Travis Ajak. They, they didn't have 2020 Stanley Cup champion Braden Coburn. Um, and and but like all the other teams too, like in the in the East, the Bruins and Taylor Hall and uh, the Capitals didn't have Anthony Mantha. Uh, like the, everyone's kind of just completely changed like their outlook. Uh, and and now you gotta just kind of let it all unfold in front of you. Um, 
and it was it's for the Islanders especially like the, the first couple games, three games now with um, Paul Mary and Zajac have, have been fun. They've been funky, but they've also been fun. We'll talk about all this stuff. We're gonna have uh, our friend Arthur Staple come on uh, at this in the second half of this show to talk about uh, what uh, what they did and and you know how the additions are gonna work out for the Islanders. Um, but it's almost funny because like you kind of forget that they actually played games this week too. <laughs> uh, wh- one of which they played without those two new guys, and that's uh, as good a place to start as any. R- real quick, I, I don't want to spend too much time recapping these, but um, back on Tuesday, the day after we recorded our last podcast, uh, the Islanders played the Capitals and they won one nothing, which really wasn't indicative of how well the Islanders played. They they really dominated that game from start to finish uh, for the most part, and if it wasn't for Caps goalie Vitek Vanacek making like a million saves, it, it would have been a much, much uh, more of a, a sort of a signifying win. Uh, Brock Nelson scored with about six minutes to go uh, to uh, give the Islanders a win, but uh, it was a great game and, and it was really kind of a reminder of what this team can be when, when everybody's firing on all cylinders. And it was a, it was a, about as close to a playoff, uh, you know, preview as you can really get. Uh, and then the next day, Big trade goes down. The Islanders acquire uh, <laughs> a big trade goes down. The Islanders acquire uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak from the Devils uh, for a first round pick in this year, a fourth round pick and two minor leaguers, uh, AJ Greer and Mason Jobst. Um, you know, it was funny. And I mentioned this to you, like it was weird to see the Islanders make a trade that wasn't immediately you know, raked over the coals. Uh, people seem to think it was a good deal for the Islanders, and I, I think it was too. We'll talk a lot more about it later. Um, but, you know, to give up a first-round pick is always something I'm kind of wary of, but to get two good players, uh, and Zajac is obviously very diminished here. Palmieri was the big get. But, uh, you know, Zajac is, is an NHL center, and he knows what he's doing, and he's had a pretty good year. And to get two players for the first-rounder and a fourth-rounder, and then, you know, to lose the two minor leaguers, I feel like is kind of very good value, especially at the time of the trade deadline when prices skyrocket. And we're definitely going to talk very much later towards the end of the show about the other uh, prices that teams have paid. But to me, at first blush, I was like, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> and they get to keep, you know, Paul Mary now for the rest of the, the season. They got him uh, earlier than anybody else. And, you know, he fits right in. He was rumored for a long time to be with the Islanders. So uh, what were your thoughts when you first uh, heard that trade go down? I think my, I mean, it was almost like a foregone conclusion a little bit. Like, it was almost like this was always fated to happen. Um, so it wasn't. It wasn't like I got my socks knocked off. The the, the I I kind of always expected the Islanders to give up a first round pick because that's that's how Lou is, right? He he just he just goes for it. He'll, it was also he'll, their most like notable asset that he could have traded. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, th- th- like let's be honest. Like th- nobody's upset on this side of of the aisle about them not give, them giving up a first round pick that's going to be hopefully 32. I mean, even devil's GM, uh, Fitzgerald's Runeford, he said, he said he hoped it's a 32nd pick so that Zajac and Palmieri win a cup. But, uh, like, I'm not, I'm not, no one's worried about that on this side. Like you'll see other people in, um, kind of the annoying part of hockey Twitter talk about how like a first round pick is the, the devil's technically win the trade based on value or whatever over time. But we like the, those things don't have any nuance to them. Like the, the reason the Islanders traded a first round pick for Kyle Palmieri is because we're down the, going down the stretch of a season where they're a Stanley cup contender and they were missing their first, their first line winger. Like there's a reason why you overpay if you, if technically you did, which I actually don't think that they did considering they also added, um, you know, 
Travis Ajak at this point in his career is is just like a Barry Trotz depth guy. Like, and Barry Trotz loves those kind of players. Like, he's a better version um, of you know Leo Komarov or Tom Kunakel or whoever you want to say. Like, I, I in a perfect world, he'd be the thirteenth forward, the the fifth, fifth center, or uh, you know a bottom six winger if if the someone got hurt in the, in a playoff series or whatever. But um, you you knew when he came over that Trotz and Trotz and Lou just had bigger aspirations for him because he's just that's he's like right up their alley. Like I almost felt bad for JG Pajot a little bit because he Barry Trotz loved him so much, or still and he still does. He plays him everywhere, and now like it's like Travis Ajak is is now his like you know favorite student in in class. And um, but I, I'm I was just really excited that that it happened more than anything, and that you know the, it seemed like every Palmieri was a it was Palmieri and Taylor Hall were the two biggest pieces uh, out there. Um, and the Islanders got one of them for the second deadline in a row. The Islanders got one of the best players available uh, on the market. And that's just encouraging. Cause it does show that like, this is kind of the game plan for this, this team right now. And probably for the next couple of seasons, they're going to just see how like, it's like having a, a car that, that you love and you've been driving forever. And you're just like, I'll just drive this thing in the ground and, you know, throw in a spare part here or there and, and just see how long it gets me and if it can get me to where I'm supposed to go. And, and like, that's how the Islanders are and that's how they should approach their management style and their roster management for the next couple of seasons. Is like, look, this core is obviously good. They are a very balanced team um, and they will be again next year. And until these guys all, you know, fall off a cliff, like just see how long it can go. And uh, they've, they've gotten better from last year to this year. So there's no signs of this team like letting up. And adding Kyle Palmieri will help them get them to perhaps, uh, you know, back to the conference finals or Stanley Cup or win it, whatever it, it may be. Um, and like if if it costs a first round pick to do it, you do it. And um, I, I was just like, I was just very happy more than anything that that it got done because it, you just you never know until these trades get done that they're actually going to happen. Like we always assumed it was the Islanders would make a move and it would be a big one, but you know we in trade deadlines passed when we've assumed that uh, kind of on the other end of the spectrum, the, the Thomas Vanek for Sebastian Kohlberg is like the post <laughs> poster boy for this, for that kind of stuff. Like you assume it's going to happen, but then it doesn't. Uh, and you're, you're left holding the bag. That's not, that's not good. Uh, so, and, and like the, the other thing is it also prevented other teams from getting Kyle Palmieri. So like it's, it's, it, it basically ticked every box. Um, of course the, the outcry from, it's just amazing to see how people react when the Islanders do something good. It's, it's like, they just, they just can't make, it can't be like a, a simple, Oh, that was a nice move by Lou Lamarillo. Like it's a, all of a sudden it's a huge polarizing thing on Twitter, whether it's, it's the price, whether it's the no shave, uh, no beard policy, whatever it is, like it, it becomes a polarizing thing. And all of a sudden everybody is on a soapbox. And instead of just being like, wow, like, yeah, that trade made sense. Good move. Palmieri fits in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny because like, again, that, that day, I think the consensus was that the trade was a good one. And then the next day people are like, wait, they got Travis Zajac, but he stinks. This trade stinks. It's like, well, you know, like he's not that bad. And I mean, having an extra center, as we learned last year, is never a bad thing because let's be honest, if one of the Islanders centers goes down, you know, who's playing center in the next game, Leo Komarov. So it's good to have an actual NHL center on the roster, even if he's a guy who's 35 years old and his playing career is winding down. He's just passed a thousand game mark. So, I mean, I think again, this, these two guys were the right guys. I think, you know, as like you said, Lou for the second year in a row, 
targeted the guy he wanted and he paid the price. And honestly, like in both cases, the price turned out to be pretty reasonable. People got bent out of shape about the Peugeot trade too last year. And honestly, nobody's complaining anymore. Like it's just, they paid what they got and they got him and they signed him and that's it. And he's just as integral part of the team now as he ever has been and will be forever, basically. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we're going to talk a lot about more of them, but we're going to talk more about those guys coming up. But, uh, the first game was the next night, uh, against Philly, honestly, pretty lackluster game. Uh, wasn't a whole lot, uh, to speak of the Islanders came out, put up a two goal lead. Everything was looking great. And then they just stopped playing. And, uh, it, this became a theme going forward for the rest of the week. Uh, they ended up winning three, two in a shootout. Thanks again, Brock Nelson. But uh, it was not really an encouraging game. And, and you know, just to skip ahead, like, they have three days off. They had today off, they have tomorrow off, and they have Wednesday off before they play two back-to-back games in Boston. I think having the practice time is going to be really helpful. I think throwing these two brand-new guys in, they played on a line together with Pajot. Leo Komarov was still on the first line with Matt Barzell. Uh, you know, so it was a very disjointed game, and so were the two after kind of disjointed. Um, but you could see in the next game, which was a four, one loss to the Rangers that like, they were starting to pick things up a little bit more and they were a little bit more engaged. Palmieri was a little bit more active. Zajac was a little bit more active. Um, they lost that one too. They were really never quite in it. The two of the goals they gave up were kind of really more like unlucky bounces than anything else, but the Islanders didn't really do a whole lot to, uh, kind of, you know, reverse the tide there. Uh, so they ended up losing that one, but then they came back for a three, two overtime win on Sunday against the Rangers. Again, jumped out to a lead. We're dominant in the first period. We're all over. Palmieri got a goal his first as an Islander on the power play. Everything seemed to be working out great. And then the Islanders just kind of stopped skating, stopped passing and the Rangers tied it. And then in overtime, Ryan Pollock scores his first goal of the season. Imagine that. I can't believe it's been 40 games and the guy scored his first goal of the season, but it was he picked the right time for it, and uh, they walked out with a 3-2 win. So three wins, one loss, uh, You know, six more points. They're tied for first, I think, at this point with the Caps and Penguins. So things are still progressing as they had been before, um, but they've got, like you said, new faces. they got to put them in there. they got to get them into practice. they got to integrate them into the – system and then hopefully going forward they can really utilize them the way we expected them to when we were said hey you know who would make a great addition to the islanders kyle palmer because right now aside from that one, one power play goal it's been very very disjointed these last couple of games yeah and i i think it, it is to be expected um especially with we we all watch the islanders night in and night out and we know how much um cohesion matters to this team uh, and it's not something you can really quantify um you know, through any, any sort of stats, except, you know, over the long term, you can kind of tell if it's working or not. And um, putting two players who are coming from obviously very different system into, uh, uh, into a lineup, into important parts of a lineup too. Like they weren't just kind of thrown down the fourth line and saying, you know, here's, here's, you know, just play your best and don't get beat. Um, They, they were, they were put in big parts of the lineup and, you you kind of looked at like I almost looked at that first game as a Barry Trotz is like we 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 can't practice obviously because of the way the schedule is it's like almost like a throwaway practice game like let's get these guys integrated um, and then the the next one against the Rangers like they the Palmieri Pajot Wallstrom line looked terrific Zajac kind of it, it it seemed like I wouldn't say Zajac was great and you know playing with Barzell and 
Everly, that's definitely punching above his weight class a little bit, but you can tell he knows what he's supposed to do and he's going to just follow those orders. Um, and him and him and Komarov are, are very different in that way. Like whereas Komarov could, will freelance a little bit in different ways. And um, Barry Trotz was talking about how he, he likes that line to, to be a little heavier on, on that side because you need uh, Barzell and Everly to be afforded space. And the Komarov kind of creates that space by, chaos through chaos like you you can't help but pay attention to him if you're playing against him because he's doing something crazy like at all, at all points like he's like he could be skating around like waving his stick in your face like you know sean avery did that one time or he's like digging pucks out of the corner or he's just he's just doing something to kind of draw your attention away uh where zajac is going to be much more of a i think of like a puck retriever uh and a guy who who will keep keep plays alive more than generate plays and you saw that a little bit and and he did a great job in that that overtime obviously winning winning the battle uh and getting the puck to Barzell who found Pollock but uh I think you you look at those if you look at the two games like it it, it there was progression which is good um because you, what you what you really want what you really want in this situation is uh these these two guys to be up to speed uh by what may 13th or whatever the playoffs start that's that's really all that matters uh i think the way the division is kind of shook out uh there's really it's really you're really like picking uh i don't know you're it's it's not there's not much of a difference between teams one through four in this division like it's just pick your poison in the first round and the second round and we're, we're all going to have our opinions on who to play whereas like that that almost is a blessing in disguise where you can kind of trot that affords trot some time to uh, fiddle with the lineup, find what works, and he's, he's so he's got a little bit of time to do that. And I, I like, I just think it's been the games themselves too. Like, like you said, like the second periods have been an issue now. Like, um, it used to be with this team, if they go up, it they clamp down and are able to uh, skate out a game better than almost any team. But now these like they get they just go ahead, and you're just like, well, I know it's nice that they went ahead because I know that the the team that whoever they're playing is going to score two goals in the second period because these second periods have just been a mess. And I, I, don't, yeah. I don't understand why. It's it's very strange uh, that they they come out guns blazing, playing looking like the world a world beater, and then in the second period it's just like I, I don't know. I don't know if it's what what it is, but I just would like to see if it gets sorted, and and I'm assuming it will. Yeah, the last two games in particular have been like that, and they've been extremely irritating, mainly because it was against the Rangers. Um, but it's not even so much that they, you know, give up extra goals in the second period. Like I'm sure every team has that, like they all have different differentials and things like that, but it's the way that they stop playing and the way that they give those goals up. They just stop skating yesterday in particular. They they just couldn't connect a pass. They got a, the Rangers tied the game and the Islanders almost immediately got a, a power play chance and it just went nowhere. Like I don't even think they had a shot on it. And it was just like, what are you guys doing? Like at one point I was actually, I mean, I watched the games on the computer and I'm just yelling, what are you doing? Like the, what is the game plan here? My daughter thought I was yelling for her to, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. Like it was like, are they even trying to make it to the other end of the ice? Cause they just go East West. Like, like Barry says, like they just go East West and they just pass back and forth to each other until there's a eventual turnover. And then they're stuck in their own zone. This has happened like multiple games now this season. Their second period goal differential is like minus 25 something goals. Now their third period goal differential is like plus 20 something goals. So they end up making it up, but like, you can't live like this. And it's like, this better get straightened out before the end of 
the season because if it doesn't, this is going to be a serious problem. And and like you said, why does this happen? I don't understand how and how do they just let it happen every time? I don't get it. And it's just it it really bothers me that they just stop doing what they do, which is cycling the puck and just you know keeping it forechecking like crazy. And they just they do it in the first period, they do it in the third period, and they just don't do it in the second period. And it's driving me completely bonkers. And I mean, you can't blame Zajac and Palmieri yet. I mean, they just got here, you know. But um, the other guys have no excuse. I don't understand. And and as our friend Carrie Haber has pointed out uh, last night, you know, the the fourth line this year is not really been as effective as they have been in years past. Matt Martin's got a bunch of goals and that's great. He's filled in as best he can on the power play, but maybe that's an experiment that, that needs to end. And and we need to kind of, you know, put together a power play that has, you know, guys that aren't fourth liners on it uh, because, you know, they have to now, you know, with whatever it is, what is it like 14 games left? They need to prepare for the playoffs. And like you said, you know, they're going to face another good team that today got much better uh, and you know, these things can't continue and you know, you have to fix them while also working in these two new guys. So I don't know it's a big task for, for 14 games. One of the things that stood, stood out to me in, in a, in a bad way against the, in the second game against the Rangers was Casey Sezekis. Uh, just, he, he's, he's usually very dependable in, uh, situations where the Islanders need, need to get the puck out of the zone where they they need to get a change, right. whatever. I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. He, he was not good in that yesterday. And, and, and like the fourth line itself, like they, they were not, they were not good about, uh, at, in, in those situations at all. Um, so like, and, and, and it's been a disappointing season, especially the last couple of weeks for, for Cal Clutterbuck too. Like to me now with these guys, like you, you have Michael Dalco, you have Leo Komarov, you have Travis Zajac, uh, you have Austin Zarnick, like you have rotatable players um, for the, these last couple of weeks. And I would think it would be prudent um, to, to give guys a breather here and there, uh, you know, because someone like someone like Andy Green, someone like uh, Cal Clutterbuck and who, who very weird. I mean, it was strange with him because he had that hand injury and then kind of said like, oh, yeah, like I still can't feel it like in in the beginning of the season. So we don't really know like what's going on there, but uh, you know, th- these guys could, could definitely use some time off before we get into the, the grueling playoffs. Like they're, they're, they're going to be a, a brutal, uh, if, if it, the Islanders last as long as, as we want them to, it's going to be a war of attrition and you want these guys to have a break. And it also, you'll give someone like, you know, if, if they play Austin Zarnick, like give him a chance. Cause who, who knows that they're going to need him? Like you never know, like uh, in the playoffs. So, so it does, it does seem to to serve the team better if uh, even if you do break up the you know you commit the the mortal sin of breaking up the best fourth line in hockey uh, for once for a game or two. But uh, it, it does seem like the team could use that, especially at the bottom half of the roster, uh, because you have players who could play those roles admirably. It's really after these three days off that we should really start to focus on how those guys all look because I think the team really, really needed these three days off. I'm sure they had off today. They'll practice tomorrow. They'll practice Wednesday and then head off to Boston for two really big games. Now the Bruins of course picked up Taylor Hall, uh, the wee hours of Sunday morning, uh, upsetting Leafs fans everywhere. So thank you Bruins. But that being said, the Islanders have to play Taylor Hall on the Bruins now. And uh, you know, that's, that's going to be a tough one. But I think they really needed these days off. I think they're going to drill into those guys. You know, Zajac and Palmieri, they're, they're smart guys. I think picking up the systems 
won't be too hard. I, I forget if it was it was uh, Trotz or Palmieri that was like, you know, you you play these guys so often that you know you've done film on them, and so you kind of understand them for the most part what it is they're doing, and then you become a member of that team, and then you kind of fill in the little puzzle pieces here and there that you know, oh, okay, this is what they do. So so it, you know, it really shouldn't be that huge a jump considering they've already played the Palmieri and uh, Zajac have already played the Islanders like eight times this year. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it, you know, this is not going to be easy. Like there's, there's plenty of time. There's not a whole lot of time left here. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I think ultimately they'll be pretty good. I think they will be worthwhile additions. I was getting, and this, this is going to make some people happy and some people a little bit upset. I was kind of getting sort of Josh Bailey 2.0 vibes from Travis Zajac. Um, both guys have been around a long time. Bailey, 900 games. Zajac, 1,000 games. Both guys about half a point per game, you know, for their career. Um, I don't know if Zajac is necessarily as reluctant to shoot as Bailey has been his entire life, as we know very well. But, uh, you know, on one hand, like, you could do worse than adding another Josh Bailey to your team. On the other hand, um, you know, they're going to need something a little bit more than that <laughs> for the playoffs uh, when they roll around. So, um, you know, I, I want to see how they turn out starting on on Thursday in Boston. I think that's where it's really going to become a thing. Now, if they don't end up meshing well after, you know, say Sunday's game, which is against the Flyers in Philly, you know, then maybe you start to worry that, you know, time is getting a little bit short and they, there's a lot more work to do. But uh, I think after two days of practice, they'll they'll probably be on on track, and and they have to be because they can't they can't afford to kind of just bounce around because Rangers and Flyers are still the Flyers. Eh, I don't know they're they're kind of cooked, but the Rangers are still playing well, and they could sneak into the playoffs very easily if somebody slips. So uh, you need to be aware the, of them. The Zajac Bailey thing is is spot on, right? Like <laughs> like, like if you just said to if you just had the Devils and Islanders, and this is the pre trade Devils. Um, you know, if you said, Hey, devils and Islanders are going to play, uh, an outdoor game in, uh, Hamilton, Ontario, uh, just to craft hockeyville. And you had Travis Zajac and Josh Bailey switch teams before the game. Uh, would anybody notice? And I don't, I don't think they would like, you'd be like, Oh, well that's, that's just what Travis Zajac looks like. Cause I'll be honest. Like we, we talk about the Islanders being an anonymous team, the devils since basically that run to the. Stanley Cup in was it 2012 um have kind of been anonymous as well uh and like I've watched how many games you think Travis Zajac has played against the Islanders and since that like since he came into the league it's it's got to be like a couple over 100 and uh I didn't know what he looked like I just didn't know like <laughs> like I had no idea I knew he I knew like his general profile but I didn't know what he looked like at all um but he and and it is it is really strange like that was that was one of the you know there it's so it's just so funny like the reactions to the trade where they hit every like annoying note you can you can think of um but there were you know the people with the sense of humor were talking just like or the people who who generally get the gist of like what sports fandom is about who aren't involved in the trade so neither islander nor devils fans were basically just talking about damn it's going to be really weird to see travis zajac wearing an islander's jersey and that was basically what the reaction was with the Andy Green trade, and and it was weird. Like it's just so it's a it's it's very strange seeing you know that name on uh it didn't it didn't really seem weird when they wore their uh, those annoying third jerseys that they wore in the first <laughs> game for those guys. 
Yeah, the pilgrim jerseys. And then, but when they were wearing their like classic looks against the Rangers, uh, that's when it. You know, I was like, yeah, it is weird seeing this uh, that name in in orange and blue. Yeah, I definitely didn't know too well what Travis Zajac looked like, despite I think watching his thousandth game where he was like on the ice without his helmet on. I don't remember him that well. I definitely didn't know that Kyle Palmieri without beard was going to look that much like John Tavares. That's weird. Those guys, they look like it they could weird. be like, there's cousins. Even even the way they like they like bend over for the uh, face offs, like when when Palmieri's like getting ready for for a draw on the wing, I'm like, it's yeah. it's uh it's kind of har- harrowing to to see, but yeah, it, it is yeah. They, the same eyebrows. I did not realize that they had the <laughs> same kind of eyebrows, basically. Um, but uh, yeah, it is it is sort of strange to to see them out there. Um, but yeah, I, you know, again, I, I think most people were, were, I was actually just reading a, an article on NBC SN uh, or NBC sports, uh, you know, calling the Islanders one of the winners. And, and actually it brought up a good point that I, I totally forgot to mention before, which is that the devils in, in addition to trading them to the Islanders retained half their salary, which is another reason why they were able to get that first round pick. So you throw that on the big value pile too. So for a first rounder, a fourth rounder and two AHL guys that quite frankly, aren't, going to factor into the Islanders anytime soon. You know, they got two good players, two NHL veterans that have been through the playoffs and they got the devils retained half of their salary. So the Islanders were able to fit them in. Oh, and I can't believe it. We, we talked this whole time without the other giant, um, literally uh, addition to the Islanders uh, that they made at this trade deadline. Uh, Braden Coburn. That's right. Uh, Braden Coburn defenseman. He was with the Ottawa senators. You'll be forgiven if you did not realize that. Uh, he was with the Lightning last year. You'll also be forgiven if you did not realize that. So he won a Stanley Cup. He's been around for 100 years. He's a massive, hulking human being. Uh, he is a depth defenseman. He was required, He was acquired for a 2022 seventh-round pick. Uh, so not even this year, next year, for a seventh-rounder. And um, if he sees the ice as an, in an Islanders uniform, something has probably gone terribly awry. Uh, or Barry Trotz is just playing, or they've gone so well that Barry Trotz is just messing with the lineup and is just basically getting everybody a turn uh, <laughs> to keep their legs fresh. But uh, he's just depth at this point. He's not Thomas Hickey. He's not Sebastian Ajo. He's a different kind of defenseman altogether. He's kind of a big crease clearer. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sweat over a seventh round pick. Is he a sexy name? No, but you know, you, you kind of knew this, like, you know, we'll talk to art again in a few minutes. You know, he's a, he keeps mentioning that he they were probably going to pick up a depth defenseman. And so Coburn was like one of those guys that you kind of had on the radar. And here he is. So it's going to be like a week and a half before he actually gets here anyway, between, between the uh, uh, quarantine protocols. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Big, big Braden Coburn pickup. Can't wear 55 because uh, I guess, to, you know, you can't give away Johnny Boychuk's number that quickly. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But again, I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat it too much because I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon. The it, it had to happen, right? Like they had to get the the every team worth its salt that the deadline gets their uh their grizzled veteran defenseman crease clearer, uh, or else or else it, you know you don't it doesn't count. But honestly, like you, like you said, it doesn't. It's it's a move that if if it ends up like bearing any fruit, it'll be a bad thing because that means that um, there's been some injuries or something wild has happened and. Uh, I, I I would I would set like the over under at at like half a game in the in, from the rest of the regular season just because I could see it like you said like if it's going well like Trotz being like like let's just get you know someone like Thomas Hickey, Braden Coburn, Sebastian Aho, Zarnik like let's just get these guys game time so that at least they're fresh before the playoffs if, if there's really nothing to play for if the Islanders kind of just playing out the string um, 
but I, I, you'd hope that 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 would be it. Like, mm. you, you just you just hope so. And and also like, it's the type of like it's a seventh round draft pick. I saw people uh, the the Predators traded for Eric Goodbranson, who also is like the similar type of guy. Like, right. if you if if you if you're skating at Eric Goodbranson and you just move a little bit to your right, like you're gonna get past him. But in the same at the same time, like if in a half court kind of situation where at a defensive zone draw, uh, he, he does make life miserable for someone going to the front of the net. Um, and, and like, you're not going to get the Islanders weren't going to go out and get, uh, you know, a great defenseman. They weren't going to go get Thomas Shabbat or something for the stretch run. Like they were going to get a, a depth guy and that's what they got. And for seventh round pick, like you just, if it's a little bit of, insurance helping everyone breathe a little bit deep uh like easier sleep a little bit easier at night and uh that's fine like it's 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 i saw people like making fun of the good branson and the coburn move like it's it's nothing it's not like the islanders are counting on this guy or the predators are counting on good branson to be the difference like the i it's just it this is why trade deadline there's there's a lot of reasons that the trade deadline drives drives me nuts it used to be just so much fun uh you know back back in the day with trade when trade center was like more about the guys actually like breaking trades and analysis rather than the Canadian Olympic team or, you know, who, 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 who interviewing players on who have been traded, uh, in once in their careers from, you know, 1997, whatever. But like, it, it was like incredibly hard to watch that today's trade center. And, and then it was yeah. even worse on Twitter because you, you had people losing their minds over Eric Goodbranson going to the predators. Like, <laughs> folks he's he's going there to just hopefully provide depth for them like it's not yeah and people seem I mean, like they're personally offended like the taylor hall thing too like that that trade personally offended people who have nothing to do with the sabers it just blows my mind well the the predators gave up like a live human body for gabranson which i thought was kind of surprising but i mean he can't be i don't even know the guy's name but i mean he can't be much of a prospect if he got traded for eric gabranson but yeah I, I get what you're saying like this happens every year like these guys pick, I mean, that's what Andy Green was essentially. I mean, even if, I mean, in, in the Islanders case, um, you know, Adam Pellick had gone down, but even if he hadn't, I mean, they probably would have traded for Andy Green. Like that's just the way it works. They find some guy who's a UFA, who's old, who's been through the playoffs and they trade for him. Like this happens to every team, everybody. And in fact, you know, the, the Leafs went out and picked up Ben Hutton from, from Anaheim. And I didn't hear a peep. Like, is he going to play? Probably not. But, you know, because it's the Leafs and, and they, everything they do is, uh, you know, a golden egg, then you don't hear a peep about it. But the Islanders go out and trade for Braden Coburn or the Predators trade for uh, Erica Branson or Montreal um, traded for Eric Gustafson, who was uh, the Flyers <laughs> couldn't Flyers fans couldn't wait for their Flyers to get rid of that guy. Um, you know, these these are somehow, like you said, offensive moves for people. Like, oh, I can't believe they did. That. Well, you know, that's what that's what they do. It's crazy. It's, it's but, uh, uh, it, And the thing with the Ben Hutton. To excuse excuse me for a tangent on Trade Center again, but so there was one big trade, right? The, the like real hockey trade, which is Anthony Mantha going to mm. Washington for Jacob Vrana, uh, Richard Panic, who, who's who's could be in Mike Sillinger's territory by the end of his career, <laughs> I feel like. But uh, a first and a second, which is a haul, but it was a great trade, I guess, maybe for both teams because Mantha's good, and uh, that's a that's a really good package to get back for him, and. So that trade's breaking, and I'm watching Trade Center, and they're going to Jamie McLennan and Carlo Koliakovo to talk about who they think is going to come out of the North Division at the time. And I figured at some point, like like they used to do back in the day, like they would interrupt people. They'd be like, "What? Well, well, you know, like, sorry, 
you know, to, to chicken parm. Like we got to go to the trade breakers. Like we'll, we'll get back to you later maybe. And they'd break the trade and talk about it and say what people got, gave up and whatnot. Um, they didn't do that. And then, so I assumed that after McLennan was done talking about how, you know, the Leafs would sweep the board in the North and no one could stop them that uh, they would talk about it. But instead, <laughs> the Ben Hutton interview <laughs> happened. Like they, they, instead of breaking this trade, the biggest trade, the one that ever, they've been complaining that wasn't happening all day uh, happened, they had to get Ben Hutton on the phone to talk to them about what it was like to receive the call from Kyle Dubas that he got traded to to be the Leafs' uh, seventh or eighth defenseman for the playoffs. Like, it's just, it, it just, we, we've been clamoring all season. Like the, the, the coverage of, of the sport has to just get better. It's just, it's just, it's just so bad right now. Um, on like, especially on the fringes, like these kind of shows are just so bad right now. Uh, it was, it was a very odd thing to watch because they kept complaining about there not being any trades, but there were trades going on. And the problem was that they just weren't talking about them. So like there were these sort of minor trades, you know, starting at noon, there were dudes getting picked up on waivers. So like Sammy Vatnin went from the devils to the, to the uh, stars. Victor Mete was picked up from Montreal to Ottawa. And he like, he's a young guy who just, I don't know, somehow fell out of favor in two years or whatever. Uh, and is now on a division rival. Like those are moves that you can talk about and analyze and look at and discuss. And they just chose not to like, they just didn't. And then by the time stuff actually started happening, which in fairness, this year was was pretty late. I mean, some of the bigger deals all happen after three o'clock, which is kind of unusual, like the Mantha trade you just talked about. They just didn't talk about them. And they would rather do like bits. And like you said, they, they talked to a guy whose last name is Mickelson, who, you know, has like the one of the league records from, you know, minus because he was on the two expansion, the expansion Islanders and expansion capitals. And they talked to him because his last name is Mickelson. It's obviously it was Masters weekend. And like the thing about Phil Mickelson, like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, it's almost like they overcompensated for not having to do stuff, but then there was stuff to do and they just ignored it. Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, you know, I, they don't need to spend a half hour talking about Victor Mete going from the Canadians to the senators. I get that. But at the same time, it's a trade, like it's a move. And then they're like, oh, there's, there've been no trades. Let's throw it over to sports center. And then Jennifer Hedger at sports center is like, well, here are the trades that have happened. Well, what? (laughs) What? Like, what? This guy just told me there were no trades. Now you're telling me there's trades. Which is it? You know. So, I, I, it was a very bizarre, bizarre thing for a, for a thing a that's normally day. bizarre. It was more bizarre. Right, right. The whole the whole point of the show being entertaining is it, it is organically bizarre. Like that is it. Like it's it's supposed to happen on its own. But they they've like fallen in love with these bits, like you said, and they don't talk about anybody else besides the Canadian teams. Which like I get that they're they're on TSN, but it was also being. Like ESPN Plus is taking over the NHL next year, and they did, they they like mentioned it a couple times. Like you know, if you could be watching in the US and on ESPN Plus, like that's great. Like I thank you for acknowledging us, but do something. Like give us give us something. Like talk about the Florida Panthers; they're really good. And you know, like talk about these other teams. Like the the Dallas Stars were in a very interesting situation. Like do they sell or not? Like the Blues, like. The, talk about these teams like i don't think i heard one thing about the arizona coyotes standing staying put like and and that might not be interesting to uh you know joe leafs fan or eric canucks fan but it is interesting to the coyotes fans who were watching because we get pumped up for this day because we can't watch hockey content like this like you know the the supporting quote-unquote content like like uh 
hockey night in Canada, like headlines or insiders or whatever. Like we don't get that stuff. We can't watch it. So the one day a year that we can, or the two days this year, this, this day and the, the free agency frenzy, we, we tune in. Like I knew a lot of people that were watching trade center today because uh, whether they were just like Twitter friends or people who, who have known for a while who are hockey fans, like they watch it and, and we suffer through this, this horrible product because we, we, we we're starving for this kind of stuff here and they never, and this, this goes back to, you know, what we talked about at the beginning of the season with NBC sports is they just don't recognize that. Like the bar is so low, like they don't really need to do anything uh, because we'll keep coming back because we're, you know, ravenous hockey fans. But if they even took like a one step above the bar, it would make a ginormous difference. And it's not just NBC sports. It's like everybody. It's like, just Mm. give, give these, give us, give, these diehard hockey fans who you talk about, who you'll, you'll have a montage about us at every intermission about how great hockey fans are and how much you miss us. Like, all right, then throw us a bone. Like do talk, yeah. talk about our team, talk about the Minnesota wild, talk about these, these teams that are not in Canada or not the Leafs, like do something. Cause they all, and, and they're all self-aware about it too, which is even, they make a joke about it. Right. Yeah. The, 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 them joking about how much time they spend focusing on the Leafs doesn't make focusing on the Leafs any less irritating, you know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, the only time I remember the Pan- the Panthers being mentioned in particular, since you brought them up, was when Jamie McLennan was talking about whether or not they should trade Chris Dregier. And Marty Buron was like, why would they trade their starting goalie? <laughs> I was like, thank you, Marty. Thank you. Like, like McLennan went off on this like two minute monologue about what they could get for this guy. And maybe, you know, they could trade him to here, there. I don't I think the Leafs were involved in that conversation, but it, then it was like somebody just showed up and was like, why would they do that? And I was like, yeah, I, why would they do that? And it's just conversation. It was just nothing. It was, it was worthless. But anyway, um, okay. We're going to stop there and uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have our friend Arthur Staple on with us. Very busy man to talk about uh, what went down today with the Islanders and uh, his thoughts on that. Don't forget to leave us a review at iTunes uh, and leave your Twitter handle in the review itself. We've already got a couple for this month. If you do that, you'll enter a drawing to potentially win some eBay swag uh, from Mike, uh, courtesy of us. And, uh, you know, we're only going to do this two more times because uh, this month and the next month and then we're going to stop. So don't waste any time. Go to iTunes, leave us a review, put your Twitter handle or your Instagram handle, whatever, uh, in there. And uh, we'll find you and uh, enter for a chance to win uh, some eBay stuff. Cool. Thanks a lot. And we'll be back soon with Arthur Staple. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They have hats, too. They got jerseys. 
check it out. They have our Al Arbor t-shirts uh, and our portion goes to the Center for Dementia Research. So it's vintageicehockey.com. If you use the code Lighthouse15, you could save 15%. So go there today. Uh, we are pleased to be joined by our friend, a very busy man, who has given us uh, a couple of minutes today to talk about uh, what went down in Islanders' world for the trade deadline. He is Arthur Staple of The Athletic. Art, how's it going? I'm good, guys. How are you? Very well. I said, just so excited about uh, about Braden Coburn. Just ex- yes, <laughs> the big get. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, let's just start with with the most obvious question. You you watch the Islanders more than just about anybody. Um, do you think that they're Trade deadline acquisitions, Paul Mary, Zajac, and aforementioned Braden Coburn uh, addressed the needs they had going into the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think Paul Mary is probably the one that that you're most focused on, just because he seems to be the guy that uh, that does most of what they were missing from Anders Lee being out. And I think his last game on Sunday showed uh, a lot more of it than the first two games. You know, just a little bit of easing in process. Um, you know, and I think really in a perfect world, uh, Travis Zajac and Braden Coburn wouldn't play a whole lot because you'd feel like the roster was filled out with either some of the younger guys or, or you know, role players that they have a little bit more familiarity with. But this being Lou Lamarillo's team um, and Travis Zajac being a Lou Lamarillo guy, I think they're going to find some space for Travis Zajac. And uh, whether he's productive and successful or not is uh, remains to be seen. But but yeah, I think I think getting Paul Mary. Giving up a first-round pick seems like a lot, um, but I think in in the in the current draft environment and the current Islanders environment, it really made sense to to pay a little bit of a higher price to get the guy that they wanted, and clearly the guy that they wanted was Paul Mary. Uh, how much of it? I mean, yeah, Paul Mary was definitely the guy they wanted, but you know, there's a couple of other perks to go along with this deal. One was Zajac, obviously, and then one was the Devils retaining fifty percent of both of their salaries. Um, I mean, how important do you think those aspects of the deal were to get Paul Mary? Like if, if Tom Fitzgerald was like, well, you'd have to just give us the first rounder for Paul Mary. Do you think it would still have happened or uh, you think all that stuff really helped? Oh, it definitely helped. I mean, I, you know, I think at the time they, they did it so far out from from the deadline five days, which is a lo- is a long time in the <laughs> deadline world. Um you, you sort of thought like, oh, are they, you know, are they still going to sniff around another forward? Are they going to? get more than just a depth piece on defense. Um, and really, I think the most important thing it does is it is allows them to add a few guys to their active roster when the rosters expand, which is basically now, mm-hmm. um, without going over the cap. So they can they can have Oliver Wallstrom and Leo Komarov and maybe Ross Johnson or Michael Dalcall when they come back and not have to worry about um, juggling some other situations as far as the cap is concerned. So yeah, it was, it was definitely helpful. And I think adding that to the mix, like you said, that, uh, that may, may have made it also worth a first. And it really sounded like the, the linchpin of the deal for the Islanders was Travis Zajac waving his no trade clause, which he didn't do at the deadline last year to come to the Islanders. He did it this year. Um, you know, and and like I said, I don't think he, I think in a perfect world he'd be a guy that would be waiting in the wings to to really contribute. But if Barry Trotz sees a fit, and you know Sunday night he saw a fit putting him with Barzal <laughs> in kind of that Leo Komarov spot, but you know he takes faceoffs. Matthew Barzal didn't take a single faceoff in that game, and I think that's only the second time in his career that's happened. So if that's the spot, um, and they can get you know some special teams roles, Palmieri had the power play goals. Zajac was really good on the penalty kill. 
then, you know, they're smarter than we are, obviously. And that's why they get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. Right. I actually like uh, I actually thought like it was more because I when the trade went down and, um, I, you know, I was lost in a moment of being like naive. Like I assumed it was that this Ajax thing was just like you said, like he'd be like the fifth center because someone will go down in the playoffs or whatever. And I was like, that's actually does kind of move the needle a little bit for me because we see, you know, it's if if, if the Islanders are dressing you know, Leo Komarov to be the fourth line center in game seven against the lightning. Like that's not going to be great. Whereas like someone like Travis Ajak, at, at least, you know, he's not going to go rogue and, and face plant Lars Eller with like three minutes left in a game. So it's like the, 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 the this team like values trust, maybe I feel like more than anybody in the league. And, and like I was saying to Dan earlier, like, I feel like Barry Trotz, like has fallen, he probably fell in love with Travis Ajak like two years ago, uh, or something it was like this guy's gonna he's gonna be one of my guys for this team which he's basically molded in his own image like i don't know a single other team that is molded in an image of a coach like maybe across all sports than the islanders are in barry trot so i think like to me like that that's probably why and, and like I, I don't i wasn't mad at all about it and i'm still not mad that he's getting kind of some shine right now because he does need to learn i guess the ins and outs of the system I was definitely surprised that he he's he played on the Mark Barzell's wing before Kyle Palmieri. But uh, I just think like to me, like it, it sets them up for more success than it would failure as long as it is handled kind of appropriately, which will be the, I guess will be the rub. Yeah. You know, and I think um, Corey Mastisak, our devil's writer made sure to note to me uh, on the eve of the trade that uh, Sidney Crosby does not have a ton of success against the devils in the last couple of years when the devils have been bad and the penguins have still been the penguins. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with Travis Ajak. You know, he's a guy who can hold his own on the faceoff circle against Crosby. I think he's physical enough to kind of withstand Crosby's kind of sneaky, dirty, strong play when he's trying to get free for, for pucks. And he Crosby has had a ton of success against the Islanders this year and all time, obviously, but especially this year. And, uh, I think that's that's definitely an aspect. You know, the Islanders have a lot of matchup guys to play their, you know, to play their structure, uh, whether it's, you know, they match Pelican and Pollock against Crosby or Casey Zekas line or Brock Nelson's line. But Brock Nelson's line hasn't been a great matchup line this year uh, in terms of defense. And I think they've seen Crosby enough to know that if they saw him in the playoffs, you want to have more weapons in your arsenal. And, and Zajac is a guy who can shut this guy down. So, yeah, there's. There's seemingly a lot of reasons that um, that I think a lot of fans are kind of not terribly aware of now, and maybe don't have to be. But uh, but yeah, I think I think he's sort of that utility player that can be useful in certain spots, and definitely, like you said, Mike, you know, if they get to the war of attrition in a long playoff series in the second or third round, uh, you got to have more than just some warm bodies to throw in there. I haven't played in a long time, you know. I don't think they want to be caught not only with a, a Leo Komarov fourth line center in Game Seven or caught in an Andrew Ladd guarding the front of the net with 10 seconds mm. left in game two. So um, you want to have more useful players than, than guys that haven't played in a long time. That would never happen. That's that's absurd. <laughs> where, where that's that's like fantasy. Uh, Andrew Ladd uh, guarding the net 10 seconds. Left, that's crazy. Um, I know we're, we're still in kind of the weird times here, and you haven't really been able to kind of get up, you know, right next to these guys and, and meet them in person. But, like, how do you feel that they, these guys will – mesh with what's historically been a pretty tight group um you know it must be weird when you're like a rental because like i mean these guys don't know where they're going to be next year and so you know at one point you've got to like become part of the group and go through these playoff wars together and on the other hand like 
there's got to be something in the back of your mind saying like, I could definitely be someplace else next year and maybe never see these guys again. But uh, I mean, how so far, how do you think they've they fit in with the rest of this uh, group that's been here like forever? You know, I think part of the adjustment period, I think, for some guys is to get used to what life is like on a Lou Lamarillo run team. And neither of them really have to do that, although Palmieri wasn't fully in the in the mix uh you know lou was kind of on his way out the door when he got traded uh from anaheim a few years ago but certainly travis ajak understands and i think kind of accepting the what might be considered weird uh you know difficult to deal with rules on a daily basis and maybe that's gone by the wayside now in the pandemic where uh, we all have to deal with weird Mm -hmm. guidelines and rules just to sort of exist in society (laughs) um so I think that's part of the first part of it. And the second part, um, I don't think it's as big an issue as it might have been before, just because the way Barry Trotz coaches and communicates. I, I don't think I don't think there's a tough transition for a lot of guys. It's not it's not a room where there's a ton of grizzled veterans who have been through the wars. It's it's a tight group, but they've they're still kind of in this honeymoon phase almost three years in of having a real serious amount of success while getting almost no recognition or respect around (laughs) the league. So I think that keeps you a very tight group. And um, I think coming from a team that's had very little success the last few years Mm -hmm. in the devils probably helps them, you know, feel that underdog status and they come in and they see these guys that they've seen up close a ton the last few years who are, they know work hard and are really good and kind of, I just think, the the way that Barry delivers his message uh, to the players, it's very similar uh, as he does to to us in the media and us to the fans. Um, it's very easy to adapt to. It seems like you know the Islanders adapted to it pretty well <laughs> when mm. he came in. So I think it's I think if you're a new guy coming in, it's probably just as easy, especially if you've been around a while. Mm. Yeah, for sure. At media thing today, Lou Lamarello also mentioned a couple of guys that uh, I don't think we're going to see this time around, but. Uh, um, Anatoly Goloshev and Robin Salo are apparently sort of on their way to North America, uh, you know, in kind of very far future where their visas and everything worked out. Um, I would assume that they're just going to go straight to Bridgeport, right? Like there's no chance when the rosters expand that they'll be like hanging around the Islanders, do you think? Or maybe not? I think Goloshev has a chance to the, the difficulty with Salo is uh, his team in the Swedish league is just getting started. I think they're in the quarterfinal round right now. Oh, I thought he and said it was done. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're up, I think two games to none uh, in their quarterfinal round uh, there. I think they finished fifth or sixth in the, in the league. So um, they've got a shot to progress pretty, you know, a little bit further. And that's, you know, a couple of weeks over there means a couple less weeks here with such a weird season, especially in the AHL. So Salo, I think, uh, may not make it here in time to do much of anything. But if Goloshev, it, Goloshev, it really is just immigration. You know, his his KHL season ended a little while ago. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think, I think they want to see him, you know, come out of quarantine. He hasn't done much in the last few weeks, even though he did play a full season over there. Um, I think they want to see how he can handle himself in the AHL. <clears throat> you know, he's got a shot to to be with the group. I think I don't I don't know that we're going to see him necessarily get in some Islander games, mm-hmm. uh, even if they be, there are some meaningless ones at the end of the season. You know, we're already down to <laughs> whatever fourteen games left in the regular season, so he'll be here. I don't know if anybody will actually see him in person, but he <laughs> will be here, and then and then we'll see what happens in the off season and going into next season. Mm. 
Do you yeah. do you think? I mean, I was I was looking at those, the fact that they're both going to be coming over, um, whenever they do, but before next season. Like, do you think that's like almost a tip of the hand, like Sorokin kind of was? Like these guys will likely be in the fold, and that could kind of cl- mean some some guys will be moving on, whether and and opening up space for someone like Kyle Palmieri, like if, if there is cap space, like I, I'm just trying to figure out if th- there is like a chance, like, you know, I get, get attached to these guys pretty quickly. Like I already, I already love both of them. Um, and I just want to, I, I don't want to like think in my head, like there is a chance that Kyle Palmieri does stick around if, if there really isn't. Um, so basically like between Zajac and Palmieri, like what kind of odds would you put that they are Islanders next season too? That's a tough one. You know, I, I think my initial thought, just sort of common sense, was Zajac is a guy that you could see maybe being that fourth center if Casey, things go haywire with Casey Sezikis this offseason, if if he decides he wants to, you know, get a big contract and really hit the market and see what he could get, which he could get a lot, I'm sure. Um, so I think Zajac could be that guy that, much like Andy Green did last offseason, where you have sort of a handshake agreement and say, we'll, we'll give you a, an over 35 bonus laden deal, but we're not going to, we can't announce it or put it on the books until two days before training camp, because we got to figure out our cap situation. Um, and with Paul Mary, I think it really, you know, Lou did say it today. It really has a lot to do with how the rest of the season and the playoffs go. If he proves to be invaluable, um, you know, maybe that's a, that's a situation where, Oh, they, you know, they say this guy fits us, better for the next couple of years than Anthony Beauvillier does. And Beauvillier is the one that's do a big raise and maybe Palmieri wouldn't take quite so much in free agency to stick around on a good team. Um, I don't think they can make any decisions about any of that stuff right now. It's, it really is all very short term with, with terms of these acquisitions and how they fit and even uh, an incredible run to the finals or to a Stanley cup might not be definitive. Um, it's just the, the the world that the Islanders are in and the league is in right now with so many RFA deals that are coming up and the expansion draft. Um, it's really hard to say. And, and I think, uh, you know, from what I understood of last offseason, the way that Lou operated, not just with his own RFAs, you know, we, we heard about a Barzal deal for a long time, but it didn't really come to fruition until training camp. And then there were actual UFAs, guys like Derek Broussard, who who had conversations with them. Um, you know, before free agency. And, and I think the message was we have interest, but you got to wait. And some guys just didn't wait. And, you know, it, it just doesn't, doesn't come together as much as the Islanders want it to. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it's a little bit freeing in a way where you don't have to worry about that stuff. Now you just, they just can, you know, the players themselves can be focused on the short term and, and see what they can accomplish. And then when it's over, you sort of reassess. But uh, I know that doesn't give you, Mike, so much comfort as a, <laughs> as a, as an anxious, worrying type of person. Oops. But uh, I, I, no. I would, um, I would put money that Travis Ajak is back. Like whether it is, whether Sazikas is here or not, it's just, it just, it just screams the Andy Green situation to me. Like he's, he's going to come here. He's going to realize Long Island, you know, it's perfect for a guy in his phase of his career. And, you know, like, like I said, like he, Barry Trotz is going to love him. And that's a, that's a pretty big selling point for, I feel like someone at that, he, he would basically be appreciated by this regime more than probably any other in the NHL at the time, right, right now. So that's why I feel like, you know, he'll be back on, on, on the one year kind of green type deal, like you mentioned. Yeah, it's certainly, 
it makes the most sense on the face of it in that it's not going to be a huge number clearly. Um, and it can be kind of a year to year type thing. They don't, he's not necessarily, you don't think he's going to be someone that's going to look for a multi-year deal. Um, yeah, and the, fo- yeah, the follow-up depends that is, on, I was going to say the follow-up to that is that the other thing I'm sure of, so yes, he will sign, he will resign and then Lamarillo will get dragged through the mud, whether the Islanders have won the Stanley cup or not, <laughs> like for, for, for extending him for the one year deal. So no matter what, <laughs> definitely possible see I, I i'm the opposite of you guys i can see zajac immediately re-signing with the devils <laughs> like it's just like even if they win the stanley cup it's like hey thanks for the cup i'm going back there and i'm out of here and i'll see you later yeah you know i i i hear that and you hear that this is the day to hear that a lot like a yeah. guy like nick felino where right. he's going to toronto and he's super excited but everyone says like oh you know he loves columbus I can't. I can barely think of a, an instance where that happened, where a guy went running right back. David Perron is the only one I can think of. He always goes back to St. Louis, yeah. <laughs> and then he leaves again because he gets disillusioned and they want to trade him or whatever. But, well, of course, Doug Waite did that, and like Sammy Botman. For some reason, yeah. Sammy Botman resigned with the Devils after being traded to the to the Hurricanes last year. Right. But, but that's like that's Sammy Botman. It's not like a. Nick Foligno, like a Mark. Yeah, not a, not a headline yeah. making type of like guy. Like even Ryan so. Smith, like when Ryan Smith got traded to the Islanders, like he then signed with the Avalanche. Like it's, it's not, it's not, they, they just. Yeah. Right. He didn't. Yeah. And, and I'm also, speaking of uh, next year, I'm also still holding out hope that Andrew Ladd will somehow find his way to Seattle. But that's a whole, that's a different show for a different time. We'll just, you have been, you have been, uh, yeah, we're going to have to do a whole episode <laughs> of that around the expansion draft. Because yeah. you, you need to show me the chart that you've, you've used to come up with that one. It's going to be the three of us and my therapist. Uh, just talking about <laughs> that. Um, but uh, really appreciate you coming on with us. I just have uh, one more for you. And uh, I'm not, I, I'm, I promise I'm not trying to uh, get you into a trap or goad you into anything here. But, uh, you know, you had talked about for a long time that, you know, the Islanders were looking for a depth defenseman, ended up being Braden Coburn. Obviously, they had been, you know, rumored to be in the mix for Palmieri. He comes over. Zajac goes all the way back to last year. Uh, you know, it took a year and, and you know, just a change of heart for him to waive that no move clause and come here. Uh, finally, um, is there anybody else that you thought that maybe like they were sniffing around? Not, it doesn't have to be Taylor Hall. I know there was a lot of rumors and all that stuff like that. But like, were there any other names that you kind of heard kicked around that the Islanders might have been looking at? I mean, it seemed like they got the guys they wanted, but I'm just kind of curious if there was anybody else that might have been on the radar. No, you know, I think, I, I think it was such a it was such a unique year where the Islanders' need and the market, what you know, the 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 big market availability really matched up well. So there wasn't a lot. I don't think there was a lot of subtext and and Lou even talking today about hockey trades and how much he misses them. <laughs> um, even though I think as he was speaking that that Red Wings caps trade for <laughs> Anthony Mantha was going down, which was a pretty capital H hockey trade. Right. Um, I think his view was we have a short-term need. We have a serious cap crunch. We have the cap space now because of Lee being out and a hole in our lineup because of Lee being out. And there's a lot of top nine wings available. So I think he had a, he had a decent amount to choose from. I'm I'm pretty sure that they inquired about Nick Foligno and I don't know that they were prepared to give up a first just for Nick Foligno. Um, You know, Hall, clearly they were in, uh, right up until Travis Ajax said yes to a trade and that kind of changed their thinking a little bit. Um, and I think beyond that, it's, it's hard to really see, you know, I, I think there was some interest in Mike Hoffman as a free agent, not a ton, but there was certainly uh, some basic interest. So I imagine he circled back and, you know, I think the way that the way that we on the outside view 
the 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 way the GMs talk around the deadline and the way that they actually talk around the deadline is mm-hmm. very the reality is very different. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like here's what I'm thinking, what are you thinking type conversations between every GM and every other GM, uh, whether it's over text or call or whatever. And I think they all have a pretty clear lay of the land about what their what what the prices will be and whether when they drop they should they certainly get notified. It's this idea of them grinding away on trades and back and forth and, mm-hmm. you know, guys sweating over it with eye shades trying to like calculate <laughs> this stuff is, is just completely not true and doesn't happen. It's, it can happen very quickly or uh, you can have one conversation and then a week later you have one more conversation and it's done. Mm. And I think it's, you know, <clears throat> if Lou Lamarillo doesn't talk to every team that's got a top six wing available. He's not doing his job mm-hmm. the same way that Garth Snow used to talk to everybody. He just was much more reluctant to actually do anything <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Right. So, um, you know, I think Lou had these, had those conversations. I'm sure some names came up that would surprise us all, but uh, he's certainly never going to tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think their view of making a real hockey trade, kind of like the Pajot trade where they targeted a guy got him and said, we're not just renting him. We want this guy to fill a, a spot for us. And certainly he's done it very well and made that contract and that trade look amazing a year or so later. I think this was really, we have a short-term need. We have some real problems cap-wise and some decisions to make, expansion draft and all this other stuff. So we're just going to focus on the short-term and and that's how it went. That's cool. Yeah, there was, uh, they were talking about uh Hall and his no move clause being a bit of an, an, an impediment or uh, an obstacle for some teams this year. So uh, everybody out there celebrating for Taylor Hall, he probably didn't want to come to your team. Speaking of Hall, I do have one quick question for for Art and, and you, Dan. Like, so Hall, Mantha, Palmieri, and of course Jeff Carter, who's going to probably score 500 goals for the Penguins. Like, who who do you think? Like, even if you take the Islanders out of the equation, is now the the scariest roster uh, in this division? Uh, not not just to face in the first round, just like overall. I still think it's Washington, <laughs> to be honest with you. But overall, I I think it's Tampa. The fact that mm-hmm. the fact that Breezewalk can can you know, and they they're in a mode to to keep funneling away first round picks because who cares if it's thirty one <laughs> or right. what you know whatever mm-hmm. they pick every year, and they've basically plugged in at their like Victor Hedman's partner. Like they don't have to keep rotate. You know, the thing that made the Islanders viable in that series with Tampa um, other than a bit of luck and some great goaltending was Tampa has three good defensemen and then three stiffs. <laughs> and, you know, they can cover up because they've got Hedman and McDonough and Sergachev was kind of a step down, but was really good in that series. And those guys can eat up, you know, 40 minutes of a game, but when they're not on the ice, they're really vulnerable. And I think plugging in Savard to just be Hedman's partner and kind of stand there and funnel pucks to the guy and watch him go. Man, that's that's some serious work, and to be able to be in a position to do that year after year, and then they're going to get Kucherov back for the playoffs. I mean, it's not, there's no guarantee it's all going to work out, but they seem to be plugging along pretty well, and um, you know, with an absence like that, and uh, with still some holes on their D, and that just to be able to just go right ahead and fill it, um, that's some pretty good work. And as far as the division goes, I mean, Washington. That, you know they're they're a big heavy team and that would be a tough matchup but i still i'd still take the islanders goaltending over theirs any day and i think that when you're looking at the division the four teams have all you know they have some scary uh, moments and i think a lot of the bad history the islanders have with all three of those 
most likely playoff teams definitely makes it scarier. But I'd take the Islanders D and the Islanders goaltending over any of those teams. And I think that's if that's really what wins you a championship, then they're the favorites to me because they didn't they didn't give up any of that stuff and they've got two goalies that might be better than anybody else's goalies that are healthy right now among those playoff teams. And um and their D is head and shoulders above some of those other teams. So mm. I like the Islanders still to get out of the division after that. You know, Colorado, Toronto, whoever, uh, Tampa. You know, if the Islanders get to the semifinals for a second straight year, I have to, I have to think that that uh, one of these years they'll be able to break through. But uh, <laughs> even that will be a pretty impressive, impressive accomplishment on its yeah. own. It does feel like all these teams are kind of moving chess pieces around, whereas the Lightning are just standing there, like, you know, come at me. Like, what are you going? I mean, it, nobody wants to just say, yeah, yeah, these guys that won last year are going to win again, but. Man, it's really hard to see Tampa not winning it again. Like they're just that good. And it's just, you know, Kucherov thing, the Vasilevsky, like, I don't know. They just it's crazy. The, the, uh, I actually expected them to to go out and get like a I, I thought a couple of teams would, like uh the Blues and, and the Lightning would just get like a another goaltender who because Curtis McElhinney is is probably not the answer if Vasilevsky goes down. So I was like, maybe they can get... They've got Christopher like, Gibson. They've got Chris they've Gibson. Got, they've they got, got Gibby. Come on. They've got Chris Gibson, who looked great in, in their 6-1 loss to Detroit. Uh, and I know, Mike, you and I have talked about this, but um, it's the, my favorite thing to picture if the Islanders don't make it very far is, is which fringe former Islander will actually like be holding the Stanley Cup over his head at the end of the year. And this year, it might be Christopher Gibson, which... <laughs> After five years in Bridgeport, that is a nice reward for somebody. <laughs> well, I like to imagine that I think it's hilarious that the Islanders Stanley Cup handoff parade now is going to be Anders Lee to Andy Green to Travis Ajak to Corey Schneider. Like, it's just, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a Josh Bailey in there uh, yeah, probably know, after. <laughs> after just, well, well, not if the Devils, not if the Devils guys want to, you know, pull, pull a fast one no, over on I us. mean, I, I think. I think Jacques Lemaire will probably get in there too. Yeah, Everybody exactly. that's been associated with the Devils that's on the Islanders payroll right now will get in ahead of actual Islander, yeah, Islander players probably. I, I totally meant to ask if Lemaire was still on the payroll, but I guess you just answered that. So there you go. <laughs> so thanks, Art. And uh, thanks for coming on with us. Again, I, you, your schedule is probably completely insane today and tomorrow, but uh, we really appreciate you taking some time uh, to talk with us. And uh, we'll talk to you again, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, after this Islanders long playoff run. You got it, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. All right, so thanks again to our friend Arthur Staple of The Athletic for coming on with us. That was all great. Uh, lots of uh, cool information there, and uh, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, we've talked a lot about the Islanders for <laughs> well over an hour now, so let's just bounce around the, the rest of the NHL real quick. Uh, it was a busy day. Again, a lot of these things kind of happening after 3 o'clock. I want to start with Hall real quick. I, w- I went to sleep around 11.15 on Sunday night, and the trade hadn't gone down, and when I woke up, everybody was talking about it. Taylor Hall, the Boston Bruin. Uh, I mentioned this before when we were on with Art. He had a no-move clause and exercised it. <laughs> like he, he could pretty much pick and choose where he wanted to go. And if you listen to his uh, you know, uh, press availability after being acquired by the Bruins or read any of the quotes, sure as heck sounded like he wanted to become a Boston Bruin. So I don't know if you know, the Islanders have been sniffing around and there were rumors and maybe there was a deal. And then the Devils came back with Zajac and Lou went with that instead. Um you know, I don't know about any of that, but it sure, certainly sounds like Taylor Hall wanted to be a Bruin. He is a Bruin now. They gave up a second round pick and Anders Bjork uh, for the rights for him and Curtis Lazar, who's hurt, of course, because he's Curtis Lazar. And so people were pissed off that the Bruins got this pretty good player 
for a very small price. But as I, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like which Taylor Hall are they going to get? Like the guy who's got two goals this year for Buffalo, didn't do much with Arizona last year, was hurt the year before the Devils, or the MVP guy who just put on a show for an entire season and just basically willed the Devils to the playoffs. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying the Bruins made a mistake, but I'm really curious to see how Taylor Hall works out in Boston. I just don't know how it's going to happen. Well, I actually thought they're, they they got Mike Riley too, who the, the yes. Bruins have been like decimated by injuries on the back line. Yeah. I'm, I'm and like, look, I'm not crazy. I don't think Mike Riley is a bigger get than him, but I think he's actually like more important to them right at this moment. And they can't score either. So obviously Hall helps there, even though he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't score. He's the same amount of goals as Sean Corrali. Uh, but they, they got better is, is the problem because last was it? Yeah. Last night uh, when the Islanders played the Rangers, uh, my goal for this, for that little two game series was I would have loved to just snuffed the Rangers season out because mm. to me, like they are, uh, the scariest first round opponent for obvious a, a, a litany of reasons. Like people always who, who probably people who don't listen to the show or kind of exist in this universe always talk about, Oh, we need an Islander Rangers player series. No, no, we don't. <laughs> we, we don't need that. We, we I, w- I would have, t- I'll take any other team other than the Rangers right now. Cause they, they can give the Islanders problems. Like they just are Tammy Panarin can win a game on his own. Like they're, they were flying all over the ice. Uh, in the past two games and and that and they have the goaltending too like like art was saying like the islanders have better goaltending basically than anybody uh in the division uh so like they they scare me a little bit so i was kind of hoping that the bruins would would create more dis- distance between them and i think this trade hopefully should should do that and keep the the rangers uh at bay and, and not not into the tournament but i i do i think paul will actually fit in well just because he's i don't he's not that it, what it does is it allows Cassidy to keep the perfection line together. And now he's got mm-hmm. a legitimate second line with like, whether right. it's Coyle, Krejci, Krejci, Coyle and Hall or Krejci, Smith and Hall, like whoever it is, like they actually have like a serviceable second line now, which, uh, right. which makes it harder to defend the top line. Cause you can't just focus all your attention on them. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to say, so the Islanders do play the Bruins back to back Thursday, Friday and Charlie McAvoy uh, might be back by then. And I think Matt Grizzlick or somebody else might be back by then too. So, oh and no, Brandon uh, Carlo's sorry, been hurt, like, yeah, Brandon Carlo, yeah. Tuka Rask, and Yara Halak. Like, they, they've really been right. fighting it. So, like, they could yeah. get scary pretty quick. Yeah. I think somebody I saw on Twitter was like, you know, the Bruins, be- the best thing for the Bruins this deadline would just be to get all their healthy guys, their guys healthy again, you know, which is 100% true. So, and the, and the best part of the Hall trade is they have six games left against the Sabres. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's going to be fun. Well, no, the best part of the Hall trade is that he didn't go to the Leafs. So there you go. Yes, yes, that's true. And and he made everybody that, mad. He made like Kyle yeah. Dubas, like it was, it was almost like, a, I can't believe like he didn't, he didn't pull off this trade. Like people were like, I've never seen, um, you know, hockey Leafs Twitter so shook uh, in their confidence in, yeah. in in their their fearless leader. It was it was wonderful to see. Yeah, uh, including a certain athletic writer that uh, we will uh, shall remain nameless. But uh, <laughs> but that's a good transition to talk about the Leafs real quick, very briefly. I promise you. So don't worry, we won't get too far into it. But uh, they acquired Nick Foligno, totally fine player. You know, a little bit like Travis Zajac in that his offensive skills have diminished quite a bit with the the miles on him but uh you know he, he's been around he's a good he's a good leader uh and he can definitely you know provide a lot of value to a team now they did give up a first round pick by brokering all these weird trades was that the one with detroit or san jose or something like that um you know ended up filtering all these picks all over the place i, I don't think the leaf fan is necessarily upset about getting 
Nick Foligno. They also picked up David Riddich from the Flames, who's had a very bad season. And as we mentioned before, depth defenseman Ben Hutton. So I don't think if, you know, most Leafs fans, I don't think would be upset about getting Nick Foligno. I think they wanted Taylor Hall. <laughs> I think they wanted Hall. They wanted Palmieri. And then maybe a couple of other guys. And then, you know, maybe Felino was like fifth or sixth on the list. And so, like, in their heart of hearts, they're probably not too upset. But at the same time, he was not the guy they wanted. And when the guy they wanted went to their traditional rival, though they're not in the division anymore, uh, yeah, they were pretty mad about it. So that was a, that was a win for everybody. And it, yeah, and, and another thing, too, is it, it made the Islanders trade look great. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to give up a first-round pick for sure. For- for yeah, Felino and 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 like and and of course nobody was talking about wow like you know Kyle Dubas is over there giving away first round picks for Nick Felino while Lou Lamarillo is getting Kyle Palmieri like it's just never gonna happen but it it, it it's been two two really good deadlines for Lou uh, and two not great ones I guess for for Dubas and and not like like. <laughs> This is incredible that we we always talk about how they, like other places talk about the Leafs and here we are in an Islanders podcast. But obviously, like the two to the two franchises are so linked to each other right now because of their sec, uh, their second line center uh, who's uh, who's struggling mightily this year compared to his contract. Like he's uh, it, it's like they're going to go into a, a, these playoffs. Like and I know that the North Division should be a cake for cakewalk for them. But if you look at their bottom six, it's Thornton, Spezza, Simmons. Uh, I guess maybe Felino now, uh, Mikheyev and like Engvall. And it's just, it's, it's, it's almost a parody of itself because two years ago, if you told these people who cover the Leafs for whether the athletic or whoever that, Hey, like this is going to be your bottom six, they would be like, Oh yeah. What, what did we like rehire Lou Lamarillo? Like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's just hilarious that they, that this is what the, the team that's been dealt to them. And, um, four 35 year old guys in the same line in the yeah. same bottom six are you out of your mind oh god it's great this is kyle uh, dubas we're talking about here he doesn't yeah. do this you know but here they are yeah so yeah no that that's a good point um yeah i mean i i don't know i don't want to spend too much time talking about it god knows they, they get talked about a lot that's a scary lineup and and i mean i i I'm like all of us listening to this. I'm hoping that they get derailed very early in the playoffs. Um, I don't know who's going to do that. Could be Winnipeg, I guess. Maybe Edmonton. Um, real quick on the Oilers. Um, they didn't do anything. They picked up Dmitry Kulikov from the Devils. You know, again, depth defenseman. No big deal. Whatever. Um, Oilers fans are not happy. They wanted this guy. They wanted Hall. They wanted him X, Y, and Z. They got nothing. And then, you know, the the media out there is like, well, you can't just go for it every year. You have to, you know, hold your bullets. And somebody I saw on Twitter point out the Penguins have been going for it every year since Sidney Crosby was 22 years old. Like they don't, there is no, there's always everything all the time. And to have McDavid and Dreisaitl having a good year, uh, the team itself is having a pretty good year. Um, they just, I don't know, there's a huge disconnect between the way people see the Oilers and the way the Oilers uh, brass front office coaching staff see the Oilers. And it's it's very funny. And so, I mean, I, I don't know, like they're a good team. I just, I felt like they were going to go out and do something else. And they just, they just yeah, never I thought, materialized. I thought the Jets too, like they got Jordy Ben and yeah. that was frustrating just because like, I think the Jets could give uh, the Leafs a, a, a a good series. I think that the the Canadians could too, just because like they they go out and get John Merrill, who's who's a great yeah. defensive defenseman. Like he doesn't, he's not going to do much else. But like it, the way to beat Toronto, as we know, is like just 
slow the game down, turn it into a slog and hope you come out on the right side of the coin flip. <laughs> and and the, the the Canadians, as long as they get the goaltending, uh, can do that. Uh, but in the, like the, the moves around the league, as, as we've been saying, like we're all basically depth pieces besides the, the East, which turned into just a flat out arms race. Like, and I, I know like we're talking about like Jeff Carter is like a husk of himself at this point, but <laughs> come on, like, you know, like he's such a punchable guy and he's going to be playing with, with on that team. Like it's just such an annoying fit. Um, and it came out of nowhere too. Like it was just the type of trade that you're just like, oh, damn it. Like <laughs> pangs. And then, uh, yeah. And then like the, the Mantha thing was, is, is really strange too. It's just like these, everybody, everybody in the division got better basically by the same amount. Which which is really frustrating because you just hoped when the Islanders got Palmieri, you're like, that's great. Like hopefully they they've clearly become, uh, you know, the the team to beat in the division, talent wise or roster wise, and then everyone caught up to him pretty quickly within like an hour of each other uh, today. <laughs> well, that's that's yeah. the danger of getting your guy early. Like I, I you know I, I personally like that Lou went out this week. You know they targeted the guy they wanted. They got him. They didn't, you know, they get, they, like I said, they got good value for their most tradable asset and they're done. And, you know, they sniffed around, they picked up Coburn and whatever, but like, that was it. <laughs> the problem is you're kind of giving everybody else that you're tipping your hand basically. Right. So now everybody's like, oh, well, the Islanders got Palmieri. Well, now we got to go out and get Jeff Carter. I don't know. Where the hell did he come from? Like I, I, that, that one to me is just very weird. Jeff Carter is definitely not the way the Jeff Carter of 2012 or 2014 even. I just don't get it. I mean, he's got another year on his deal. I know the Kings are retaining something. Like, do the Penguins have trouble scoring? They certainly don't against the Islanders. So I'm not quite sure what what the role there is. His, his, he's got a great shot. Like that's what his role his role is going to be. Uh, he's got a great shot, and Crosby and Malkin take up a lot of space, so he can just like Jake Gensel. Like that's Jake Gensel's got a great shot, yeah, and 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 he can just be the second line or third line Jake Gensel for whoever he's playing with. Um, <laughs> but and. He's just a nuisance to play against too. He's like he's a little little cheap, dirty guy, and uh, it's that's 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 why I was like fresh. I mean, any trade would have they could, they could have got you know Eric Branson back, and I would have been upset. The uh, <laughs> but I, I what, you know what the the thing about Coburn that I was laughing about like right away when they traded for him was for, well, first of all like just such a such a Lou move as we said, but uh, I remember he fought Kyle Oposo. I remember when when he I think he was on the flyers at the time maybe the lightning but i think it was on the flyers and i just i remember always hating him when he because those flyers teams were just so annoying because they always beat us right. um i was during like that stretch of islanders never beating him and then uh yeah he fought a post so i think it was behind a net and uh <laughs> now he's i wonder if he, he you know he remembers that but uh yeah he's uh that's that's gonna be that's gonna be the guy that that we'll be we'll be talking about you know from six years from now when, when the show's still going on He'll be the, he'll be the name drop of this of this deadline, which is funny because because it looked like Travis Zajac up until that moment, but now now it's Coburn. He'll be the brave. He'll be the um, Tyler Kennedy. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> from now, whatever. Um, but uh, I understand. I kind of get why they got him, but I also kind of also don't understand where Jeff Carter came from. But then the worst part about the Jeff Carter thing is it's like, well, Ron Hextall knows him. Well, of course, you know, so. <laughs> Again, you know, when people when Lou Lamarella goes out and gets a guy he drafted from the Devils, ah, how could Lou do this? When Ron Hextall does it, you know, for a guy he drafted with the Flyers, it's like, wow, that's great. Great move. Love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just it's it's a it's the as I said, like the deadline trade to trade center wasn't the only annoying coverage of the deadline. <laughs> there was a lot of it to go around and, and people just really show like how 
like I, I don't even know like like the, the way hockey is covered but from from the top down right now is just it's it's exhausting it's really it really is exhausting and like people just can't every every little thing turns into a huge polarizing issue especially around the islanders um and then yeah you got you got supposed quote unquote like national columnists freaking out because their team didn't trade for taylor hall who also <laughs> like these these we always talk about um or people always talk about like player empowerment like the players should have more power uh they should whatever that they should get more money like they don't get paid compared to other superstars in other league and and then taylor hall exhibits his player power <laughs> and it's like wow like that's a that's annoying like he he basically held the sabers ransom like yeah but the sabers also sucked so like that's their fault like they if they were better he wouldn't have been doing that and right. he, he wouldn't i mean Staying they, all, they both parties had to have known this could have possibly right. possibly been a scenario right when they exactly. signed that deal so um but yeah it's and I, the really the thing that bothers me is it just stuff isn't analyzed like it's it's just talked about incessantly but the talking isn't really leading to any kind of new information or new insight into the deal and and this gets back to you know we'll, we'll just talk about this before we we sign off is the the mantha deal so anthony mantha goes from detroit to washington it's a problem for the islanders obviously but for richard panik and um jacob vrana who if you follow any caps blogs like uh, russian machine never breaks or japers ring they've been talking about the caps probably going to trade jake vrana at some point this season the whole season um and then also a first round pick and then i think a second round pick too right so the the red wings yeah they traded a pretty good player in mantha for sure who's who's pretty young still but like they got a real haul for him. And this is like a, a hockey trade that we have not seen in a long time. Like this is the kind of thing that would happen in like the eighties or nineties. And, you know, people would talk about it for years. The closest comparison, I guess, is like the, the Pierre-Luc Dubois, Line Roslovic trade from earlier this season. But like those guys were, were still problems. Like they were holding out and they had to go. And so it wasn't quite the same, but like, this is the kind of thing that like you could analyze all day long and places like TSN and Sportsnet, just didn't like this it dropped in their laps and they weren't even thinking about talking about it. It's like, what do you, if you're not going to talk about a move like this, that is both for the now and for the future, it moves a young all-star. Well, not maybe an all-star, but like, you know, a young notable talented player for futures to a team that's looking to rebuild for veteran guys that have won the cup. Like what, what are you going to talk about? Like, this is, this is what we do this for like these kinds of deals. So like, where is the analysis of this deal? I don't, I don't, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. It's been and then, several and then, hours. And then when, when, you know, Kyrie Irving or someone gets traded in the NBA, everyone just complains that there's no trades in the NHL. It's like, yeah, there are. And when they happen, you guys are still talking about other stupid stuff. Like it's like, it's, it's the stuff does happen. And, and also like people, there are, when, when trades do end up happening in the NHL, uh, it, nobody's like excited by them. Everyone's just like, "Oh, here's what my chart says. This is a bad. This trade. is the dumbest team yeah. in the league." <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, this is so much fun. So much fun with these trades. Like I could care less. Like what what you you supposedly neutral like Detroit Red Wings blogger thinks about Dallas Stars Arizona Coyotes trade. Like <laughs> let me just like let me just like look and see who got traded. See who the trade tree is, and like get lost in the moment, like a fan, rather than being like, "Well, yeah, this guy's uh, on ice metrics." Like, I can't believe it. you can get better players like this on waivers. Like, God damn it! Like, yeah, or well, or I mean, there was one after the Islanders trade where it was like, "Well, you know, the ver- first round pick is valued at this, and 
and the fourth round pick is valued at this. And so Palmieri and Zajac are valued at this. So the devils win the deal. Mm, I mean, do they though? Like really, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to no, no offense to the devils and you know, if devils fans are happy with the trade and I didn't see too many that were Hey, more power to you, man. You got a first round pick, but like, I think, I think the point is lost when you're saying something like that. I mean, there's value in these things. Obviously the, you know, the first round pick is a big deal. The devil should have held out for that. It was a good move by Tom Fitzgerald, but like, you know, one team is trying to win a Stanley cup here. And the other one is trying to build a cup contenders here. So, I mean, these, these two things that, like, you know, I don't know if they could be quantified specifically in a, in a tweet. Nope. So. so they can. And when they get, tr- and when they try to do it, it just, it, it becomes exhausting. And you're like, this is, this is the entire like hockey media landscape is just headed for like this, very annoying place on every level. Like I said, it's not just it's not just people on Twitter, and it's not just NBCSN or TSN. It's it's like the whole thing is just a complete tire fire at the moment because everybody, <laughs> like, it's, it's like you'll you'll see like people get personal over disagreeing on a on Jacob Verana's value. Like like it's just like you guys don't need to hate each other because one player likes one person likes Jacob Verana more than the other. Like it's just that's what being a fan is. It's uh, it's pretty dire, but. Anyway, the playoffs are around the corner. 14 games left in the Islander season. Two new guys to work in. And uh, it's going to be a dogfight. Let's put it that way. Like you said, the arms race is upon us. And uh, we'll just see how it shakes out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to this extremely supersized podcast. It's a good thing the Islanders had a day off, right? So nobody had anything else <laughs> going on. Uh, <laughs> um, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. Read his work at Action Network, of course. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. And Dom and Jenny and Steve have got everybody covered uh, with trade-wise and stuff like that for the games. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Again, it's been a big one, but a lot of stuff happened. Thursday, Friday, Islanders at Bruins. It's a going to be a big series so make sure you check it out this is where you know we're really coming down to the stretch here so uh thanks a lot and we will talk to you sometime next week uh, hopefully after a a much uh more quieter week (laughs) featuring a couple of islanders wins all right thanks a lot talk to you later bye-bye Coward, then it's gonna be quick. Right. Oh, you made up in the jail before? Suck my dick and all the motherfuckers you run with. Get done with.